PFT Media. You are now listening to Cinema Crespediso. Chris Crespo Radio Show. Everybody likes it. Listen to his shit. Episode 396, we're doing some tricks with Drew Stacogba and Drew. What up? What? What? I was just (coughs) going to ask, are you turning those tricks, Chris? Someone's got to turn them. If it's not the magician, then who else? The prostitute? Oh, the magician's my prostitute name. Sex worker, (laughs) Drew. Sex worker is uh, the preferred nomenclature, please, for the year 2020. Uh, how's it going, man? How's well, I mean, not all sex workers actually have sex. Sure. So I'm trying to delineate between the ones that do and the ones that don't. Uh, That's why I was going with prostitute. Yeah, but what what is sex? When the nipple makes the debut? What makes its appearance? No, I, I'm talking... What do we get to when we get I'm to talking sex? intercourse. What? But what is that, though? <laughs> <laughs> Specifically. Just Peter's vagina stuff. Well, I, I mean, how, how boring. I mean, there has to be some. Dude? There has to be some sort of penetration. How about that? Welcome to <laughs> Anti Love Line with Doctor Drew. Hey, that's our new uh, show within a show. No, we're not doing. Anything. No, 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 we're not. No, that's bad. Drew Cogman, love tips. No, no. And again, ladies, love tips. You know what I'm talking about. Just the tips. Just the tips. Is that? Anyway, this is a. Bad episode already, but that's fine. <laughs> already it's, gone way off the rails. Turn this baby around. We actually don't have time to to dick around too much or pussyfoot either. Isn't that weird? You can either dick around or you can pussyfoot. Or what, what about dilly dally? Is that a butt thing? <laughs> <laughs> people, I remember when I was a kid, people told me not to dilly dally. Stop, stop fingering your butthole, Drewster, and get over here and dig up these turnips. That's that was Drewster's upbringing in the rough, rugged hills of Sarasota. <laughs> the they're hills, right? So, uh, kind we, of. we have <laughs> sand dunes with grass on them. We have a uh, they're called golf courses, Chris. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. This hill is a dog leg left. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, actually. We have a bunch of movies to review. I have a decent amount in my media diet. Uh, uh, Drew has been bringing a lot of stuff to the media diets lately. And then I have a ton of stories for a second half. A handful that got cut from last week. Are they still relevant this week? That is the question. Um, not only are some of them relevant, but they get updated. When you wait hey. a week, it's like a further further development the, the of... The further adventures <laughs> of this silly asshole. Of this dumb story. So, uh, yeah, well, we have plenty to talk about. We're going to try to squeeze it all in into a nice 90 minutes for you. As well as uh, coming up at the half, Billy D with his latest review from Fantasia Fest. And uh, we also have a voicemail. I haven't, I haven't figured out that... I think it's eight five. I keep giving out the wrong number. First of all, eight five 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 six Crespity. So, uh, we got a voicemail. Right. So I'm gonna play that at the half. Okay. Okay. Uh, but let's review some movies. Let's review some new movies. Drew and I watched The Tax Collector. Yeah, that we did. David Ayer's The Tax Collector. Nice and cheap too. Only six dollar rental. A prime. Oh, only six dollar rental. The VOD. Yeah, I'll take that over a twenty dollar premium rental. Oh yeah. Big yeah. difference there. Yeah. 
If you're gonna tell me, well, you can VOD new movies for six bucks, that's one thing. Yeah. If you're gonna do, it's twenty bucks. That's another. If you're gonna tell me you have to pay for a subscription service and then pay thirty dollars on top of that, oh, you can suck the biggest dick. We're gonna talk about that in the second half of the show. The uh, tax collector, R-rated, ninety minutes. Uh, spoiler-free review, obviously, we're yeah. going to do here. we got Shia LaBeouf mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of Chicanos and Chicanas. Yes. And, well, I mean... Sh- <sighs> Shia's the only white guy in the movie. He is, but... David is Ayer wasn't joking when he said that. But is he? Well, he's a white... He's, they, they have confirmed he is playing a white guy. I know, I, I but know he, that But he's, he does speak like like everyone else. That, but that, that would happen, though. I mean, yes and no. I yeah, mean, you go I down mean, to Miami, there's white people that speak with Cuban no. accents, but they don't speak Spanish. No. Like, they speak, like, colloquial, no. they can go to the bodega. No. But then they'll be like, why do you sound like Carlos? <laughs> uh, Charlie? <laughs> um, yeah, so it happens. It's just weird. It's like, Shia LaBeouf, it seems like the only acting he did was push out his bottom lip. He just talked like this the whole time. Yeah. That was it. That's yeah. all he did. Yeah. <laughs> He, he went to the uh, the Cheech Marin school of uh, <laughs> of accent work, baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, he is the only recognizable star in it. He's not the lead actor. No, he's. I mean, he, in all reality, he's really barely in the movie. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I would say he's in like half of it. Um, I feel like his character is set up to be a lot more involved, and he ends up being again no spoilers yes, there. But no, it's more, I, I guess it's more of like a heads up if you're going to this as a Shia movie. I I agree on that. It yeah. seems like a lot of whatever he was there to do got cut. Maybe, somehow. maybe yes, possible that uh, because again, ninety minutes. Oh, it's it's quick. This is one of uh, I think Ayer's shortest. Um, so when we started the movie, it's like how are we gonna. We even talked about it without saying it in so many words. It's like we have to watch this in terms of how does it fall into David Ayer scale? Yes. Like what kind of David Ayer movie are we getting? And what is that scale? I feel like that scale on the high end is and Training Day he wrote, but he didn't direct it. That's Anton Fuqua, yeah. who's himself a great director. So. Yes. Uh, for movies he wrote and directed, I'll say like on the top end would be Fury and End of Watch. Yes. And then the bottom end would be Suicide Squad and Bright. Yes. Then in the middle you have harsh times, mm-hmm. um, and then the, oh, and sabotage is also down towards the bottom, right? Yeah, we're, we're together on yes. that. Is that all of his movies? I think I that's think all, so. I think that's all of them. So where does Tax Collector fall on that scale? I mean, for me, it's somewhere between Harsh Times and Sabotage. Ah, like on the uh, yeah, sab- like above Sabotage, th- below Harsh Times. It, it feels. I don't know. Maybe it's even below sabotage. Damn. <laughs> we're getting down to bright territory. I think so. No, I think I think we're like right above Suicide Squad. Wow. I think, and and, mm-hmm. okay. and okay. The, the only reason why is because the David Ayer movies that I li- I like the darker side of the stories he tells. Sure. So even like an End of Watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's a bunch of cops yeah. and they're not necessarily bad guys mm-hmm. per se mm-hmm. but they got themselves in a really bad situation yes very true and it's it's the dark side of air that i like more mm-hmm. which is i don't know this movie just seems like david air light he uh it has his penchant for violence yeah oh, he, he well, likes the and, dark and even stuff. a new penchant for specifically head violence. Yes, you pointed that this, out. <laughs> this this movie is full of 
straight up head like not just like oh violence 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 no like it's violence specifically to the cranium yeah you, you even <laughs> over and over again you even said at one point you're like man this is head violence crazy and i was like yeah it is and, and then, then somebody else yeah it happens more, again it's more. like whoa damn they really damn. they really don't like faces in this movie. yeah air uh, or he, he found a new face guy yeah or something oh, we got a new blood splatter guy <laughs> this is gonna be we got some good wall splatters here um i was into I like the story. It's pretty easy. It's a pretty yeah. easy story. The tax collector is these dudes. It's one guy and his buddy, Shia is the buddy, who they go around to like 40 different street gangs in LA and they take their 30% cut for a wizard who's in serving time. Um, and then an old gangster comes back from Mexico to start taking over, like to start a, a war while the wizard's in, in jail. And this tax collector dude, he finds himself like having to deal with it. Uh, the way that it all unfolds and it's set up, I, I enjoyed it. The bad guy, Conejo, I liked him. Yeah, he was I, good. I feel like he was menacing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Especially that fucking voodoo scene. Woo, yeah, buddy. When, when they, <laughs> that's the thing, too. It's a, it's a, it, that, that's like a plus minus. So yeah. when they introduce the brewery. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I and mean. The, and the, the several ritualistic sacrifices. <laughs> well, and, I mean, in, in all reality, though, I mean, it was, uh, I think that was David Ayer's way of, like, Doing you know these divided ideologies because in all reality yeah. you've got you've got the main character very, who's very who's very I think Catholic very Catholic exactly, exactly. Yeah. no it, it, that you know that traditional Hispanic Catholic yeah. family mm-hmm. praying uh, before the meal yes mm-hmm. exactly all that stuff mm-hmm. and then you've got his buddy Shia who straight up he's like he just he, says I don't believe he, he's he's lost his way yeah he's done enough bad things to he, he, he's straight up he's like when the lights go out they're just a bag of meat and yeah he's like I've seen it I've seen the yeah. meat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that is probably one of the better aspects of this movie, the yeah. David Ayer. And he only does it once or twice, the dudes having the the bro-ish, bro-street-wise philosophical yeah. conversation. Well, that, and and then you've got uh, Homeboy at the end, the bad guy, who mm-hmm. is, he, he's got fucking, like, Aztec and Inca stuff on him. So he's, yeah. like, the pagan yeah. of them all. Like, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he doesn't follow this, doesn't follow that. He's got his own thing. Yeah, he's like straight up, I'm protected by the devil. I am the devil. Yeah. I was like, fuck you. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, he makes a religious thing. So um, so I I simultaneously enjoy that yes. when he's like, oh, we're going brewery We're, wa- we're waxing. Yeah. But then also it, when he starts like, when they're cutting chickens and stuff, it's also like, this is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's both. It's both. And I think it can be both. And this, it got ridiculous. But I was also like kind of enjoying it. Um, the... Uh, and it's we mentioned this as we were talking as it happened we threw out this reference and then uh, Cromella put this in the Facebook group uh, in our in our Cinema Christmas Facebook group when he watched the movie he had put up his own review he put the exact same thing uh, it turned into a GTA side mission yes yeah. that was super <laughs> funny he just took a phone call well he straight up says it too he's like yo we got a side thing to do yeah I'm like what did he say side quest what did he say he said something yeah I was like oh my god but they did Smartly, it's, it wasn't just like a bullshit thing. No. It does then tie into yeah. later no, it does. in a satisfying way. I liked uh, that wrap up that that part of it at the end mm-hmm. when he shows up. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm trying not to do any details. Uh, so there are bits of the story that like they sewed some things in the beginning and then it pays off well at the end. But there are other things that things that they drop in that we were like I was calling out. I won't say in what context, but in the middle of the movie, all of a sudden, he's doing judo training. Yeah. And then later, yep. it's like, oh, here, here it comes, Drew. Here we go. Yeah, and then sure enough, yeah. they even like don't trust us enough as a viewer to remember that one scene. So they start intercutting the judo no, training. No. It's like, guys, I remember. That's a pet peeve of mine in a movie. Mm-hmm. When 
they want you to remember something, so they just show it to you. And yeah. It's like, come on. I, I was there. I was there. And, 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 60 minutes ago, I saw it happen. Um, I gotta. I think I gotta agree with your A or Rankin. Between sabotage, almost a sabotage. Sabotage better. I've only Is seen, it? I don't know exactly. I've only seen sabotage once, and, seen, and it's been a while. And I've only seen this once, yes. but it didn't sit that well. It didn't sit very well. Uh, I wasn't bored watching it. I'll tell you that. No, I, I was. Re- I was ready to see what the next thing. Even though, also, here's nothing. I wasn't bored, but I also wasn't that surprised. Uh, very many predictable things. Happened. Oh no, yeah. I mean, fuck. We were talking about it in the beginning, and it's just like. Oh, hey, go figure. Go yeah. figure. Yeah, go yeah. figure. We call, we, we call a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah. early on, and then as it happens, oh, this is going to happen. <laughs> then it does happen. So that doesn't become a bummer, because you want to be surprised in a movie. It, it's a tricky thing to make a movie or tell a story in which the thing that happens is both surprising, but then also inevitable. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa. Uh, uncut gems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That, that, when mean, that ended, it you're is, like... It yeah. is nowhere... It, it is... I mean, at the time when you're watching, you're it's like, surprising. Like, Whoa! But, but, but then you think about but it. But then, <laughs> then you think about how it all went down, you're like, oh, yeah, no, oh, yeah, yeah, duh. <laughs> That's the only way it could have yeah. ended. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's like, eh, when this thing comes out on streaming, I feel like uh, it'll be a decent way, a decent Saturday afternoon, like rainy afternoon, I'm not doing anything anyway, or a COVID afternoon, I'm not doing anything anyway. Um but like what on a service you're already like Amazon Prime or something like yeah. I'm already a Prime member oh no the tax collector I can finally watch this fucking thing the, uh, hey on that note Chris uh, Bloodshot's finally on stars yes so have fun everybody yeah, everyone, the world <laughs> everyone t- check out that terrible movie I'm it is to, it is not good I gotta, I gotta watch it <laughs> no but dude I mean it was worth the dollar ninety nine I spent oh the initial so. rental yeah, yeah at the red box yeah that's funny um. So yeah, tax collector. Yeah. Um, HBO Max, an American pickle. Did you watch that? Yes, I did. Okay, so we're gonna I review an American pickle. I watched it last night. The uh, HBO Max's first movie. Part of the reason why Seth Rogen agreed to to go with them for, for a service because uh, their company Point Grey had a deal with Netflix last year for their movie Game Over Man and they they experienced a Netflix phenomenon of putting something out there and it just gets lost in the yeah. in the shuffle and nothing nothing ever happens with it. Uh, so when this came around and they were looking at uh, whether to go to theaters or streaming services, Warner hit them with the HBO Max offer and they liked the idea of it being this will be their first one. Yeah. There'll be a push behind it. You know, people look forward to it. Um, so we watched it and came out on Thursday. Yes, it did. And uh, what you think? It was fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> no, exactly. It, I mean, for 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 what it is, it's. Uh, I mean, it, it is an okay satire of the world of today. Yeah, barely bare satire, bare minimum, right? Um, in that, it you know touches on social media stuff, influencers, protest culture, all, all, all that. that. All but that it, but stuff. it barely comments on it. It just like is. Yeah, it doesn't do anything with it or push it in any direction. Um, uh, I, w- I will say, mm-hmm. uh, watching Seth Rogen mm-hmm. play the... The granddad? Yeah. The great granddad? The great yeah, the great Herschel. Granddad. Yeah. When, when, when he was Herschel, he was actually acting. Like, he wasn't just doing his Seth Rogen thing. Yeah. Like... He was a character. He, had, he was a character. Like, he had feeling mm-hmm. in his face, mm-hmm. and he was projecting emotions. Like, yep. he was actually acting and then when he's playing against himself the younger version of himself who's now he's playing a different uh, different character 
uh, that Herschel stands out even more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, his uh, stoicness, all of it, and sometimes confusion, sometimes yeah. anger. Um, not saying that Seth Rogen is like the next great thespian of our time. No, but but, but fucking give. Give the dude a chance. It's a reason. The reason the movie works at all is because he does yeah. a great job. Yeah. He does a great job. And I think it's also um, the whole movie, for the most part, has an, a, you know, there's this tendency, especially recently, to have your comedies be raunchy, to be um, uh, mean or dirty or whatever. I mean, there, this, this one is just very it, sweet. It, it is very light. I mean, there are some mean things that happen. Sure. But, you know, that's just conflict in life. Yes. But for all intents and purposes, no, this is a very, you know, a very, a very PG event. Yeah, it is. It's very. Except, I mean, some I mean, of, occasional curses or I mean, no, exactly. Probably, there, there's some stuff mm. like that. And uh, it could uh, easily be a PG the so, movie. Uh, when, uh, I mean, there were a couple of times where I straight up, like, laughed out loud, like, all the way. Mm-hmm. Like, when they when when uh, Herschel and his uh, bride to be first meet and he gives her the fish and it's all like ah! oh, and, and, and she just chomps on its fucking head, head. Yeah. like I was that was I straight up got me dude yeah. Yeah, at that point I was like oh is this like a slapstick uh, it, <laughs> some it, parts of it are it gets very silly yes yes it, it it is like fine with being a silly goofy movie at times um, the part that made me laugh was right before that where. Uh, He's digging his mud ditch with oh, a shovel. Ch- chunk. Yeah. The shovel chunk. breaks several times. <laughs> and then later he has a different shovel that breaks. But then... But then he gets a good shovel. Yeah. And the cart breaks. And the wagon breaks. He's like, damn it. No, seriously, there par- parts of this movie were definitely inspired by Mel Brooks. Sure. And Absolutely. other parts were just less inspired. Yeah. I, I guess. I think that's the thing. It could have been developed a little bit more. I The idea is fun. For sure, my great grandfather would probably be disappointed with with me. In oh ways. yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> he may be impressed by my soccer collection, but <laughs> otherwise, <about> <laughs> he wouldn't understand podcasting and doesn't like what you have. Eighty people listen to your show. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing. Is, is that good? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. It is not. No great grandpa is not good. I'm sorry. Um, the uh, I feel like they could have gone even. Further with the like, oh look at how the old timey stuff. Yeah, I was expecting it to be even more of a not a condemnation, but like, uh, look how soft we've become and we've taken so many things for granted. Uh, but it really doesn't go that far down that road. It no. does, though, go down an interesting road of the um, Jewish identity. Yes, yes, I, I, I thought that was there was uh, that that little part, that little reckoning. I think is maybe. Probably something that Mr. Rogan's going through himself. Maybe, yeah. He did just do an interview with Mark Marin where they were talking about um, the state of Israel and all that stuff and how neither of them are like practicing Jewish. And um, they said a lot of things that, as they were talking, like, we're going to make a lot of Jewish people angry. And then, sure enough, it's like a ton of people came out like, I'm sure. Fuck, fuck these guys. Um, I, I, I don't have much of an opinion on <laughs> what's going on over there. <laughs> it's a, That's not really my bag. You know, <laughs> I have opinions about a lot of stuff. I'm going to stay away from that one. Um, uh, but so it is interesting. He is like very, uh, he's an atheist person. Or is he agnostic? He is very like a non-religious, famously non-religious. Progressive, everyone to call it. And but between this movie and this is the end, he has made a couple movies, and then Preacher too also gets into a little bit trying to reconcile religious beliefs mm-hmm. and a greater being type thing, well, I mean, and, and just spirituality with also that kind of I mean, modern it, thought it, process. It's a hard thing, especially in the modern days when you know you're grown up, you know, raised a certain way, mm-hmm. and then you start thinking a different way. Yeah. Come to realize things are different. What in the fuck? Yeah, it is tough. So. Um, 
So it's interesting seeing him go through yeah. kind of some of that stuff. It's also interesting to see uh, him walking through the streets without it. He's getting a little bald spot that covers nicely by a yarmulke, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, c- c- keep that hair cut short. He does wear hats a lot. Like, you're four years old. Why are you in hats? Oh. oh. Okay, okay, okay. Looks good with a beard. Though. Yeah, it's fine. So he grew the beard and the hair long, shot the movie, the whole movie, and then shaved, and then they reshot Shot the whole movie with his scenes. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. That's like a that's a significant uh, feat of filmmaking there. Yeah, definitely. That being said, the digital compositing, all that, it looks like made for TV. No, no, yeah. <laughs> like if I saw that, if I saw this in a theater, oh, I'd been angry. I would be like, uh, this, yeah, was, yeah. this was a waste of my fifty cents through yeah. my Regal app. But I mean, but through, but you just know, watch but it on through, at home, through at at home on HBO Max. Yeah, I mean, as far as I'm, you know, yeah, I was drinking. Good job, HBO was, Max. Was, your was, first, your first movie was a success. <laughs> it wasn't a total. <laughs> it wasn't total shit show. It wasn't a total dud. You guys did it. So, um, so yeah, it was fine, right? Yeah. One eye on the fine scale. How many eyes? One eye, two I'll, eye, three eyes. I'll go. I'll, I'll give it one. I give it one eye. One solid eye. Yeah, Which it's is, fine. It's fine. Um. All right. Well, let's get into our media diets. I got a pretty wide-ranging media diet here of things. First off, it's just because I'm sure we both saw it. Episode 7, Perry Mason. Oh, yeah. The penultimate season finale episode. Um, uh, no, se- season finale is pen- The penultimate oh. season finale. Okay. That means the one, the one, one before. Yeah. Anti, mm-hmm. Anti-finale. Uh, I'm, I'm liking the courtroom stuff quite a bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. that's... The Perry Mason that most people know. Took a, while, <laughs> took a while to get there, but uh, yeah, if, yeah. If if this is what we can expect more of for future seasons, I'm on board. Yeah. It's also a little campier than I expect, especially from some of the early episodes yeah. and how dark it was. Um, like the church stuff is mm-hmm. super campy. The that one guy with the glasses when uh, he was like blasphemer and he was freaking out, no. and the camera's tight on his face and it pulls back. Like you, you gotta laugh at that. It's like out of a John Waters movie. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, the last episode when the whole baby thing, like yes. how that went ended uh, with the empty casket, like and everybody shit. freaking out. Yes, <laughs> and then uh, everyone's freaking. <laughs> And then the mom, Emily, she's uh, just crawling towards the grave. And she just says, I want to be inside. Yeah. I don't care anymore. Just put me in there. She she just put me in there. I was like, oh, my God. This is so silly. Um, It's it's a silly show at times when it comes to some of that stuff. It feels like a Ryan Murphy, like um, American Horror Story. Yeah. (laughs) That kind of level at times. Um, But we'll see. see. Tonight's the final episode. Yep. We'll talk about that next week, I'm sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a good show. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it's a good show. Um, Disney Plus. No, I'm, let me stick to HBO Max here for a second. Because they finally put it on via the DC channel, the Harley Quinn show. Yep. Yeah. I watched uh, I watched the first season. I've watched the first seven or eight episodes. How many episodes are there? Uh, 26. Yeah, there's a lot, right? Yeah, because it's, it's, they did season one and then season two went on HBO Max because uh, season one was on DC. So technically there's two seasons on here. Yeah, so two 13 episodes. <laughs> I, I, I didn't bother to look at the episode yeah, list. So, I just hit play. Yeah. Like, I'm at seven episodes. I'm, I'm at the episode right after she gets into the Legion of Doom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. fun stuff. They say fuck a lot. A lot. They say, say fuck a lot. It's super violent. And I do... I, I, I like the mix of realistic and cartoon violence. Yes. Like, you know, every once in a while she'll hit somebody with a hammer and you see blood and bone cracking out of their leg. Yeah. But at the same time, she can still fall 30 billion feet on top of the fucking bat wing and not splatter into oblivion. Yeah, if a character so. needs to survive, <laughs> he or she will survive. Yeah. Um, I like how everyone that's in the show is... 
a like a weird goofy version oh. of the of the normal character except for three characters so far um Harley Quinn is normal because she's already baddie. Yeah. And the whole, since the show is from her perspective, yeah. her world is baddie, right? Yeah. So it all makes sense. Uh, Poison Ivy is being, is her straight man. Yeah. She, so, yeah. Yeah. So that's why she's not insane. Um, everyone else is insane. Batman is completely normal, but by him being normal, it then makes it funny because like, it's just like, yes, no. His reaction well, to everything, dude, everyone Jim, being stupid. Jim Gordon is great. Jim Gordon's he, fucking insane. He is a fucking... He's such a mess. He's so <laughs> much... Dude, you think he's a mess. Just wait till the the Jim Gordon arc in this season is fucking... The oh, first fun. season's great. <laughs> I love I love Bane and how insane... Yes, <laughs> he he talks so, like that. He's so stupid, yes. And then, and then, like, how come you got Bane in the Legion of Doom? It's like, yeah, well, it's politics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Giancarlo Esposito as Lex Luthor. Uh, yes. Amazing, like, casting for, oh, for yeah, voice dude. actors. I mean, how, I like that Dieter Baderick is Batman, yeah. the guy from Drew Carey show. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, how, how are you enjoying this take on Clayface, Chris? Mr. I love Clayface. Clayface is the best, and he's Clay- such a goofy thespian. Yes. It's Alan Tudyk. This, this is for me. He does, he does that. He does Joker. He does, he does, like, six voices. It's fucking wild. This guy, does he get paid for each voice? Probably not. He's just getting one paid. He's got two dicks and a million voices. Yeah, good for him, though, man. Uh, it is funny going down the list and seeing who they get, who gets one actor, yeah. but then what actor is like, no, we're doing a bunch of them. Yeah, no, I think out of the entire show, so far, I think my favorite character is Dr. Psycho. I was about to say, Dr. He, Psycho's wild. Dude, the, 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 the cunt episode is fucking well, hilarious. Well, it's, it's been a runner, yeah, when he joined the Legion of Doom, when, as part of her crew, like, oh, with, it, they said it real fast. Oh, it's a side that you can't go on any missions against female superheroes. And he goes, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> exactly. It's, yeah, that's fine. It's so great. I had to, at that point, I was like, is this even a real dude? They're all real characters, no, yeah, obviously, just, right? M- most of They're them are... They're just B and C characters. No, exactly. B, C, D characters. Kite, Kite Man. Man. No, exactly. Yeah, he's, exactly. Uh, yeah, I was like, Dr. Psycho. I look him up. I was like, yeah, he really <laughs> looks like this. Yeah. And says, uh, uh, defeated, or not defeated, but a uh, Wonder Woman nemesis. Oh, it's great. Popped up in Wonder Woman number five. At what point in time they all get in costume because they're infiltrating something? Yeah. And fucking Dr. Psycho's super short with a huge head. Because he's so, like, so his costume, like, it's on the same proportions as everybody, but yeah. it looks so silly because his head doesn't Because he looks insane. It's great. It uh, is so great. I like uh, uh, Jason Alexander as Cy. Yes. <laughs> Cyborg. <laughs> yeah, Cy, Cyborg. It's a, it's a super fun. No, show. it is. Right. I, I am very much enjoying it as well. It's uh, And it's also, I like that it's short. It's like, oh man, it's 1030. I don't want to go to bed just yet. You can watch a quick episode. It's only like 20 something minutes. Yeah, exactly. Maybe two. We're good to go. Um, Sorry, let's jump over to Disney Plus. Where I watched the first two episodes of Muppets Now. Oh, I saw that that came out. It's interesting. Um, it is all done like uh, uh, it's on screens, like and Scooter. Every the conceit of each episode is that Scooter, because he's the producer, is producing the episode by he gets everyone's files and he's dropping them in. And so far for the first two episodes, it's people contacting him being like, oh, I need you to change this or cut that or do this. And it's like too late. I'm dropping no. the episode now. Um, both of the first two episodes have a Swedish cooking with the Swedish chef segment, and in the second one, uh, it's Danny Trejo, and he's making his tacos, and it's supposed to be like sort of a competition thing, uh, sort of a setup. It's very, very funny. Miss um, Piggy has a lifestyle segment, but it's it said lifestyle, like they didn't finish mm-hmm. her uh, thing. She gets all mad about it. It is enjoyable. But she has a pig, so but get it. She's a pig, so it works out. Lifestyle. The... Um, Oh, a great interview with RuPaul in the first episode where Kermit just keeps getting interrupted by everyone. So, 
each episode is about 22 minutes and they're split up into four segments. So each segment is about six minutes long. So it's quick. Like, but before the thinking, we're out of talking, it's moving on to the next thing. And uh, so far, it's funny. I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's good. Uh, I recommend it. Muppets Now on Disney Plus. If you're looking for some Muppet stuff, um, on Twitch, Friday night, 8 p.m. Between the Buried and Me. They did it. Mm-hmm. They did it, Drew. They played in it, dude's basement. They they played in their the drummer's mom's basement, which uh, maybe he lives there too. I don't know because the, the the reason they did that is his basement is set up with a separate like drum practicing room. Oh, so he's in so, there with yeah, his it's drums. Pro- it's probably his basement too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's in there with his drums, and the band is outside the room set up. Um, and yeah, I watch it. I had to watch it live on Twitch because if he didn't catch that or the following day's encore performance, a three p.m. performance live. Um, the videos are available on their channel, but you have to subscribe uh, five bucks a month. Mm, yeah. And uh, I mean, come on, what well, I look like made out of money. So I mean, uh, sometimes, I mean, I do walk around with that money suit, but you know, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> represent, represent America. The set was great. The, halfway through the fourth song, the fourth track, uh, compression issues, the audio started clipping. Oh. And then uh, I was like, oh, man, is that my resolution? What's going on? I was trying to fix my video. And then I saw in the chat other people were complaining about it. And then someone was like, hang on, guys, we're working on it. Like the official moderator yeah. or whatever. Uh, and then the, they had to stop before they could, like halfway through a song, that uh, the drummer was just like, stop, stop. Being told there's audio issues. They had to reboot the computer, shut it down, bring it back. That's, so, what, that's it, what happens. It was a fucking technical difficulties, I, Chris. I, I was like, holy shit. Uh, but then they came back. And it was funny seeing them talk about how where we're gonna where we're gonna come back in because it's no exactly it's one it, one song that's it, ten yeah. tracks <laughs> exactly yeah. it, you, it's just one long song it's like oh, let's pick up here yeah trying to figure <laughs> it out uh, and then they're like yeah they're talking about it. Oh, guys just playing guitar like whoa those guys are good um, also trippy seeing how uh, they're all getting gray so gray Ugh. Chris you're getting gray I know life sucks I'm getting gray yeah. we're all getting gray why. Just for a minute. Have you seen Bill's beard? It's got fucking stripes in it. Well, you know, he's an old man. <laughs> he's an old. He's an old. It's old the man. same age you are. <laughs> I listen to a podcast. Do you called? Uh, well, remember a while ago when I first debuted, I kind of shit on it. The Team Deacons podcast. Roger yeah. Deacons podcast. Yeah, you said it was boring. The, you said it was informative but boring. Yeah, the first couple episodes. Just like talking like, because I'm quite British, and let me tell you about them. Yes, I remember. This was on the set of, and he's like, "Oh my god!" Uh, oh, and the lady that he, that's talking with him, uh, I guess I was listening close enough. The lady's his wife. Okay. Oh, okay. So, okay. Fine. That's why she's has so such so free reign. Um. So they've been doing it for a while now. Uh, I've gone back and looked and to see what their cast or their guest list was. I've listened now to three episodes that are kind of worth checking out. Right. Uh, one is the Joel Cohen episode where um, they talk about shooting like No Country for Old Men. And uh, man, it wasn't there. A lot of great stories uh, from Joel Cohen, who fortunately is good at talking without being prompted because he'll do like he'll say something and then they'll be like remember that Roger and remember it's Team Deacons it's this show yeah. remember that Roger and Roger's response will be mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like well then yeah. I will expound on this yeah. some more yeah then Joel keeps going and it's like oh man come on Roger but then at some points Roger does like oh yes and I remember and so it does turn into a good conversation he did one with uh, now I guess I know how to say it properly Denis Villeneuve Villeneuve, Villeneuve. Okay. Okay. Um, talk about you know working together on prisoners and Blade Runner. 
and stuff like that. Uh, and going through Denise's career and everything. And that was a really, really good interview. And uh, the Peter Ramsey one, he's one of the three directors for Into the Spider-Verse. Mm. Apparently on Into the Spider-Verse at one point, they were like a good uh, chunk of the way through production. And they're like, uh, we don't have a third act. They're like, not even... Like, like we have third act problems. It was like, no, we just don't, don't have, have a third act. Uh, so he had to like, he started as a storyboard artist before he pulled him on as director. So he just went back to storyboard. He spent like weeks and weeks storyboarding uh, act three while the other people were working on the rest of it. Pretty funny how movies come together sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, it becomes into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> it's like, holy <laughs> shit. We don't have a third act. Well, that was a pretty good one. You just pulled out of you your ass. Just, yeah, he yanked that out of your ass. And he also met, described how, I think he was working at Marvel at the time, working on a different project, and he found out that, oh, there's an animated Spider-Man movie in the works. The Avi Arad, Ari Arad, told him about it. And he, uh, he's like, oh, yeah, working on animated Spider-Man. He's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. We got Lord Miller producing. And he's like, wah, wah, wah? <laughs> like, now I'm interested. <laughs> well, I mean, I, how, do I get, how do I get involved with that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was already attached as a director on another project. That project fell through. Thank God. And then he got <laughs> brought into Spider-Verse. Um, the Florida Film Festival 2020 has gone virtual. Uh, speaking of thanking God, thank the movie gods that they were able to work some of this out. Um, because they're doing the fest. It's not at the Regal. Before, it was split between Enzian and the Regal. Yeah. This year, it's only at the Enzian. Very limited capacity. As a member of the press, I could only get in with um, seats available anyway. No, not going to happen. I ain't, I, ain't gonna, I ain't taking away seats from people. So, um, Fortunately, they did the virtual fest. And I didn't even bother asking. I was like, hey, can I get a you know press pass? I just paid the 40 bucks. I almost support it. And I guess sort of then I'm going to review it more as a consumer yeah. as well. Uh-huh. Um, so I did. It just started yesterday. I've had op- opportunities so far to watch really one movie uh-huh. and a couple of shorts. Uh, a great short film called Eddie's World that's 30 minutes long about this guy, Eddie Goldfarb, who is 98 years old. And he's a toy maker and inventor. And this guy just Happened to invent, like, so many of the greatest toys ever, mm-hmm. including board games. Shark Attack, remember that one? Mm-hmm. Kerplunk, he invented that. Mm-hmm. The Chattering Teeth, the wind-up Chattering yeah. Teeth. He invented the fucking wind-up Chattering Teeth. Man, those things have gone on to be both loved by children and eternally creepy yes. in horror movies. Yes, yes. <laughs> so many movies, yes. Uh, this guy's had a really outsized influence on pop culture, and... It's almost worthy of getting like a feature length like documentary, but instead we get this little thirty minute one directed yeah. by his daughter. Which mm. is, so it's very, it's mm. a very sweet little thing. I'm sure after this, somebody will see it and be like, "Hey, uh, I got a Netflix deal, so yeah. let, let's fucking do." The, I need to crank out another five documentaries this year, so let's do this. Let's do this with this one guy, ninety eight <laughs> uh, years old, still like tinkering around in his garage yeah. and you know trying to keep his mind sharp. He speaks very uh, uh, like he still seems with it. So, good for him. He, he won the life lotto. Uh, oh, at the video store. A documentary about video stores, video rental stores. Essentially, the how they were huge in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Blockbuster, Hollywood video. Mm-hmm. Um, how now there's only a handful in the country. Really, the focus is on, like, I don't know how many. A few dozen video stores that are open throughout the country. Yeah. Um, talking to those people. What it means to them, the community and everything. I will say the first, it's an hour and like 20 minutes. The first 10 minutes of the documentary, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. It was so hyperactive and bouncing around. It wasn't cohesive, but it was really like a 10 minute sort of opening where they're kind of montaging all the themes that they were going to try to touch on. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but it was just so over all over the place that I almost gave up on it. I'm glad that I stuck with it till then. It's like at the video store, this is, and then the movie begins. It settled down. It got more into a normal pace. Talked to a lot of people, directors, writers. Uh, Bill Hader pops up mm-hmm. um, because he talks about one of his favorite video stores that when he lived like right by when he was doing SNL. Place anyway, it was actually pretty good. So I would recommend a lot of these movies end up available. Netflix, Amazon Prime, eventually. Technically, it said it had its first releases in 2019, so mm-hmm. maybe coming out soon. Mm-hmm. I saw this uh, sh- short film, Drew. That I-, I should probably show it to you. Maybe I'll show it to you on the break. It's called 400 MPH. Okay. And it's a uh, five-minute song, French, but it's in English, about uh, a chimpanzee who named Icarus trying to break the 400-mile-per-hour land, land speed barrier. So, so they did it with the monkey first? The monkey is sort of like a sentient, like I'm doing this. It's almost, oh, like, it's almost okay. like, a, it's like a Planet of the Apes type of thing, gotcha. actually. Yeah, it's interesting. He's the only character in the whole thing. And then a voice of a, sounds like a newsreel type of guy. Um, I'll show it to you on the break, because it's real quick. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, get your review of it. That was the first of the international shorts uh, competition. So on the Virtual Film Fest, they have 19 feature-length movies between documentary and uh, narrative and like almost all of the short films are available on there so i'm gonna try to watch as much as i can this week and really come at you guys with a lot of stuff uh for the next episode word up um and does that get me to everything that gets me to everything all right so what do you got your uh i watched so last week i watched all that neon genesis evangelion stuff yes uh this week i watched the end of evangelion so in the TV show, the last couple episodes mm-hmm. were plagued with uh, budgetary constraints, things of that nature. Okay. So they couldn't do what they wanted to do. Okay. So they made it like an introspective journey where you go into the main character's head and you see like how what's going on in his head mm-hmm. what, as opposed to what's going on in the world. Okay. On the outside, in this movie, you get to see what's going on in the outside, as opposed to what's going on in his head. Right. So, so it tells the same events, but same from, events, but just from a slightly different perspective. Yeah, and so obviously all new animation. They got basically they got their money back and decided to go fucking balls out with it. Was it worth it? Yeah, cool, yeah, totally. So, so if you, if I watch Neon Genesis, I then should like watch this as the official ending. Like, watch it. It ends. Well, no, yeah, exactly. And then pick this up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean. You you will under you'll you won't be as angry as everybody else is with the ending <laughs> yeah. because you appreciate visual storytelling. Okay. So <laughs> okay, sure, like, sure, sure. Like instead of you know giant robots killing everything at the end, it's it like it goes inward. So yeah. you get three episodes of you know art house weirdness. I love art. <laughs> exactly. I love art house weirdness, actually. So, but then I also like giant robots exploding. Well, no, that's, that's we can, so, that's we can why, have both that's America. Why, that's why afterwards you go <laughs> you back and go watch back. the end of Avengers, okay. and you're like, holy fuck. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And, and where'd you see that on? It's on Netflix. Netflix. But yeah, it's uh, way more action. It's uh, definitely more in, you know, the... And is, it's a, is it a... Stuff, you know, Akira type stuff. Like a two-hour movie? Uh, 90 minutes. Because, like minute I said, movie? it retells the last yeah. three episodes. Okay, got, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. And then I watched the entire series of Cowboy Bebop again. Hey, Cowboy Be- Bebop. Because it's awesome. It's Space Bounty Hunters, Chris. How many episodes? 26. Oh, okay. So it's not too many. Yeah, it's only two seasons. Yeah. But it's... Cowboy Bebop, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love it. Again, Netflix? Uh, no, that's no. on Hulu. 
Hulu. Watch that on Hulu. But yeah, Cyberpunk, and, and that noir, was, Western. That was um, Adult Swim. That's when I first... I started watching it in high school on Adult Swim. Yeah, yes. so it was a late night show. Yes, yeah. but I was watching it about... Only it was only a year after it came out in Japan. So. Yeah, unlike Dragon Ball, which like when I it found out decades. later, yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is an old show. I had no idea. No, exactly. Uh, yeah, Cowboy Bebop was so pretty fresh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's it's amazing if you're into cyberpunk or uh, you know detective noir stuff, uh, westerns. I mean, it, at the end of every episode, it says "See a space cowboy." So, <laughs> yeah, <it's funny. laughs> yeah, it is just space cowboys. Yeah, but, no, exactly. But, but not the Clint Eastwood movie. Well, except for one, there is one. But the, I, I love how the Japanese do it too because they just take names from Western pop culture and just throw them in. He literally, Spike Spiegel fights Wyatt Earp in an episode. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> that is awesome. And in uh, episode 17, entitled Mushroom Samba, they all get high on psychedelic mushrooms. So. Yes, the episode that got Drew sold. Hooked. Yeah. Sold on this show. Mm-hmm. Very good. Good stuff. Very good. Very, very good. That was it. Oh, a whole series. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, technically that was... Uh, it's like 13 hours 13 worth of stuff. 13 hours worth, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I get it. Well, and then another seven hours of Harley Quinn. Oh, and... Yeah, two, so a bunch of Harley and, Quinn in and, front and, of me. and two episodes of Holy Moly, because they came out finally. Excellent. Excellent. And I love me some Rob Riggle. That that Rob Riggle doing it for you. He's, um, he's a funny guy. He is a funny guy. I love him in the... When he pops up in the 21 Jump Street movies, he's great. Well, in the first one, he has like a, a role, but in the second one, it's just a cameo. Um, okay. Okay, good stuff there. Let's take a break. Media diets are over for now. But we got, like I said, Death at the Movies from Billy D. Um, technically, his 46th installment of Death at the Movies, it seems pretty good. He labels them. Okay, good look, for him. Look at the number right here. Good for him. Um, so he's going to review a movie. Does it say what the name of it is? It's uh, No, it doesn't. And Well, it does say, but I can't read it. So guys, enjoy this. And then right after that, I'm going to play that voicemail that I got. I believe it looks like it's from Gabe, our boy Gabe. So he says what he has to say. And then we'll come back with the second half of the show. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. Billy D's Death at the Movies. What's up, my dudes? You know what I just realized? Chris and I are coming up on a unique milestone. We've been friends for almost 20 years exactly. Here's to you, buddy. You're one of my oldest friends. Sadly, I met Drewster a year or so later. Next year, homie. Well... I am knee-deep in screeners from Fantasia Fest, and I can't wait to start talking about some of the awesome films I'm seeing. But one film I saw this week being released on demand August 11th is The Dark End of the Street. This is the featured debut of writer-director Kevin Tran, expanded from his short of the same name, and I adored this film. You know how we say they don't make movies like this anymore? Kevin Tran made one. He made an original drama for adults, which on its own would be a feat but it's a great indie drama with impeccable performances and confident direction, which seems like a miracle. The Dark End of the Street is about a single cataclysmic day in a small community where we are thrown into all of these characters' lives. We meet a single woman who comes home to find her cat has been murdered in a break-in, and then we learn that this is part of a pattern. Someone in this community is killing pets. The film bounces from character to character, making us wonder, is this the person doing the pet killing? Jim Perrick, Brooke Bloom, and Anthony Chisholm stole this movie from me. Chisholm in particular has a few moments that are so tender and heartbreaking, and his interactions opposite Bloom were just beautiful. The Dark End of the Street is a small film that feels much larger, and everyone involved should be so proud of the work they've done. Well, that's it for me this week. Hope everyone is safe and healthy. Stay cool, Billy D. 
Yo, what up, show? Uh, heard there was a phone line now, so I decided to call and see if this thing is work, uh, working. I don't know if it is. Uh, but I just want to call and give my reviews. So I watched uh, a couple movies now. I'm at number 79. Uh, first movie was The, the Night Clerk, which was John Leguizamo and Freak. I forget this kid's name. Um, and uh, Anna de Armas. I think she was like the... Yeah, um, it was, it was, uh, the premise was okay, man, but the execution of the movie was terrible, it was just a really bad watch, um, I thought it could be done way better than it was, the acting was fine, it was just, I think, the execution, it was kind of one of these things where the screenwriter was also the director, and it was like, yeah, I did, I did, not a good watch, not fun, uh, the another movie I watched was Birds of Prey, I saw that on Redbox, um, I thought it was a pretty dope movie, uh, very colorful, very funny, I like the tone of it, I like the, uh, visual, like, cartoon animation stuff, uh, I like the choreography on it, and, um, it was decent, it was a, it was a fun watch, it was entertaining, I got, I got my money's worth, uh, off of Redbox, um, I hope they make, you know, a sequel to it, it'll be dope, if, especially if they can get the Joker in there, uh, yeah, looking forward to that, pretty good. That one I recommend. Um, I also saw Sonic, and Sonic was also the same thing. It was a decent watch. I wasn't really expecting it, you know, to win Best Picture or anything. But you know, if you have any kids, it's definitely a you know, it's a fun watch. A decent, you know, they throw in the music in there. Uh, I really like the premise. I like I like um, Jim Carrey as uh, what was his name? Robot Egghead, Eggman, Eggman, Robotnik. I don't know. Um, yeah, it was decent, entertaining, great for the kids fun to throw on, I, I'd recommend it, if it's on streaming, whenever it gets on streaming, I got that on Redbox, but whenever it goes on streaming, I recommend to watch that, decent, um, the last movie I watched was, I just got finished watching, was Being John Malkovich, and it was a strange movie, it was weird, um, it got a weird tone, uh, it kind of reminded me of, like, Lobster, right, and then, uh, you know, obviously, they're going for, like, humor, but the tone was weird, it's like this weird disconnected like affect like this kind of like people are talking but it's really like not connected there's not like uh i don't know it's this weird slanted kind of acting in there but obviously it's intentional um at the end of the movie i thought it just went to some weird places and i was like man people really like this but uh after i usually what i do is i usually go on the internet and try to get like an explainer video or people's interpretation like a film essay or something and i liked uh, a conversation with john malkovich and uh hodgman john hodgman hogman the comedian uh through the conversation like i actually liked the conversation they had and the the movie made more sense um uh you know the hype, you know, made more sense, uh, I'll probably watch it again one more time just to get the symbolism and stuff, but, uh, you know, it was kind of like a, for me, it's just kind of a one-watch thing, uh, yeah, alright, I'll call you guys next week, hopefully, if this, this, this works, I don't think it's gonna work, but I'll call anyways, bye-bye. Hey, 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 alright, first off, thanks, Gabe, we appreciate that we found your voicemail, I don't know, uh, like it just appeared on my phone. <laughs> it was there, kind of crazy. All of a sudden, I don't know how this phone system works. I mean, I bought it from some guy in a back alley down uh down that little Ho Chi Minh Trail in, on Colonial. Back alley phone systems, Chris. Didn't you learn your lesson from last time? This is what I was just following the anarchist cookbook. Just <sighs> looking for a good freak box. Got myself a podcast landline phone system instead. Is that something to do with the new 
new Amazon satellites? Was it Amazon put up the satellites? Who put up the satellites? SpaceX. The new SpaceX. That's what you said. The new SpaceX satellites. Um, speaking of SpaceX, so uh, had you watched the um, 400 MPH yeah. uh, international animated shorts? What'd you think? It was fun. It was cool. Yeah, it's fine. It's a monkey. I like the, uh, the the animation style of it, the way it looked yeah. and everything. It's pretty yeah, cool. Computer. I mean, it, yeah, it's fine. Would have been nice to see in a movie theater. Definitely. Would have been especially, nice. Especially the end. That was fun and trippy and cool. Yeah, it got, it got there. went places. Uh, but hey, what are you going to do? I uh, appreciate the Florida Film Fest for doing a virtual film festival this year, and I'm looking forward to checking things out. Uh, also, so in Gabe's voicemail, he reviewed a couple movies. One of them was being John Malkovich, where he seemed quite perplexed by the overall tone, mood, and comedy question mark of the movie because it is a Charlie Kaufman. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Movie. So, yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. In which case. Understandable. Gabe. I would say Gabe. Check out. Uh, or maybe he's seen. Or I'm not, I'm not trying to talk down. So maybe he knows who Charlie Kaufman is. But I mean, if you just look at being John Malkovich, Synecdoche, New York, Anoma Lisa. Um, have you ever seen Human Nature? I don't think so. It's a weird one where. Is it Rise, Iffins, Iffins, Big, Bigger Guy? Uh, uh, he's in one of the Harry Potters, some of the Harry Potters. Werewolf guy. He is, um, it's sort of like a walk like a man type of situation where he's like a beast man, mm-hmm. a hairy beast man who lives out in the forest. And um, someone finds him. I forget who the actor is. Someone finds him, sh- shave him down so that he just looks like a normal uh, a human, like a person. And then they retrain him to have like societal manners or whatever, and it's that type of corny okay. movie. It's okay. Um, obviously, hasn't made much of a splash. No one talks about it, but it is. Kaufman wrote it, and I think Michelle Gondry directed. Okay. I, I think he did it after Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is also Charlie Kaufman. Um, and he's got that. You know, people movie. like that one way more than the rest of his movies. I think it's <laughs> his most accessible. Because it's just, it is a rom-com. It's a good take on a rom-com. Or adaptation. No, yeah. That one got. People seem to like that one as well. Yeah, that one got a good pop too. Because it's two Nick Cages. We did two Seth Rogans first half. Mm. Now we got two Nick Cages. Imagine a movie with two <clears throat> Seth Rogans and two Nick Cages. I'm not sure that's going to be That's a little too much for society. I'm not actually. sure that's no, going to be any no, good. No one would like that. Even we wouldn't like that. No. I don't think. I think that'd be bad. So, um... Yeah, being John Malkovich is a weird one. It is. It is for sure strange. But I think when it comes to overall Kaufman, it fits. I mean, definitely. He's <laughs> got this new one coming out uh, September on Netflix. They put out some marketing for it. I'm just I'm trying to avoid it all because, fuck it, it's coming out on Netflix anyway. So I'm going to go out of my way to watch a trailer for some that I'm going to be seeing in 30 days. I'm not going to wait if I'm still alive, COVID. The, uh, also, he reviewed, um, I wrote it down, Birds of Prey. He liked it. <laughs> Yeah, you like it. He's on. He's on the side of liking it. And I then mean, it's better than Suicide Squad. Oh, much better, so much better. And uh, the Night Clerk. You ever see that one? No, I've seen the. I've seen the things for it popping up though. He, he got down on that one. Um, Billy Lee mentioned his abilities at the movies. Uh, speaking of time and getting older, this is the getting older episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we're coming up on being friends for twenty years now. Uh, and that way, which makes you being friends with him for 19 years so you can celebrate your 20 year anniversary of being friends with Bill next year oh, officially <laughs> half my life too well, actually a little more oh, just slightly more uh, yeah man oldest friend known him since college one of those weird things yeah happens yeah some people are like I, I'm so friends with my friends from high school there, I have one friend from high school that I've 
poorly communicate with it with via mm -hmm. uh, occasional Instagram likes or yeah. uh, mysterious middle of the night texts, mm -hmm. like year, not even yearly. Yeah, but yeah, no, Bill's. Uh, Bill, yeah, I still got friends from high school. Bill's our boy. Yeah, you got yeah, that's you, a Florida thing. No, yeah, yeah, no, you got a uh, old, yeah, old a, hometown friends. Pineview boys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I left my hometown far behind. So the <laughs> Pineview boys, PVB, shout outs. Big ups. No, no shout outs, no big ups. Big ups to the BB boys. No shout outs, no big ups. Siesta Key. Ja, 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 ja. Oh, not anymore. Why not? It's the TV show. Oh, uh, the TV showed it? Yeah. It, it, it got the, uh, it got the... It got the Jersey Shore treatment? Yeah, it got the Jersey Shore. It got the Hills treatment. It got it. It's called Siesta Key. On, it's on MTV. Oh, there you go. It's so... You can't have... Forever sullied. You can't have Top 10 World Beach. So closely available, and not expect the a bunch of rich right assholes to make a reality show about their lives. Exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Precisely what I'm saying. <clears throat> um, big ups to Bill. We love you, Bill. Uh, we have an email: cinemacrespiso at gmail .com. You can email us, and we will read it when you send us emails. But you did not send us emails <laughs> this week, and that's fine. And therefore, you don't have to. We cannot read them. You totally don't have to. It's fine, guys. You don't have to. We don't need them. I'm just putting them out there for you because I feel like it's nice for the people to have a platform. And if you want to use it, you can. Um, similarly, put up a Facebook post. Which nobody used. Which no one used this week. That's fine, too. It's all good, guys. We did get that voicemail from Gabe. Mm -hmm. um, so instead, we will just go ahead and jump right into the, the news segment. We got a lot to talk about. Um, they put out a Fargo Season 4 trailer. Ooh, did they? They did. And uh, the most notable thing about Season 4 is the cast. Uh, Noah Hawley, of course. He's uh, showrunning this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And this season takes us to 1950s in the middle of a war between an Italian crime family and a black Crime family. Ooh. This is from a slash film. It says the fourth installment of Fargo set in 1950s Kansas City, where two criminal syndicates fighting for a piece of the American dream have struck an uneasy peace. Chris Rock stars as Loy Cannon, the head of the African American crime family who trades sons with the head of the Italian mafia as part of a tenuous truce. Chris Rock and Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman. Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman. My mouth got all mealy <laughs> mouth on that. Jason Schwartzman will uh, be the head of the other family. Uh, rounding out the cast, Timothy Oliphant, Jack Houston, Ben Whishaw, Jesse Buckley. Uh, she's a newcomer, Drew. Okay. She will be uh, the co-lead with Jesse Plemons, both named Jesse, in the Charlie Kaufman movie that's coming out in September. Okay. Um, Salvatore Esposito I looked him up He's an Italian dude uh, 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 And a bunch of other names Fun Yeah Oh um, And since So the show is called Fargo And it all takes place in that area But also Like starting with the very first season um, Holly just uses the show As a, a way to pay homage To, to everything Everything Coven's <laughs> yeah, To everything Coven's All of their movies and you can find all sorts of references to all their movies here and there. Like the UFOs in season two is uh, like Man Who Wasn't There, UFO, show like that. In season one, there's a poster on the wall in the basement for white Russians. Um, it says right here that for this season specifically, he looked a lot at Raising Arizona. Okay. So expect a, uh, a cartoonish level of, of violence. But I guess that's all of them. Season three was my least favorite season. I don't know, the 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 dual you you McGregor one, yeah, yeah, 
Uh, let's see here. I'm, I'm deciding. I'm deciding. I think that's what I think. Um, all right, let's see here. We got a uh, Oliver Stone slams cancel culture claims he couldn't be able to make the movies that he wants to make now because of cancel culture. He's one. He's turned to one of these dudes. Well, you see, that's what happens when people get sick of what you're doing and your style, and then you blame it on everybody else instead of yourself. But what does he want to do? That I mean, he, like the Snowden movie. Obviously, <laughs> something not very good, and everyone's like, you know what, Oliver, we're gonna pass. And he's like, oh, cancel culture. It's like, it's like, oh. No, you have shitty ideas. He says, ask his views of modern Hollywood. He says, I'm really out of touch. I can tell you that I've made any of my films. I don't think I'd last. I'd be vilified. I'd be attacked, shamed, whatever you want to call that culture, cancel fucking culture. Uh, he insisted that the freedom needed to make a movie requires stepping on sensitivities and being rude, and he couldn't have worked with so many constraints, acting as if, uh, like, the Safis ain't out there making movies. Anymore. Yeah, I was about to say, there's still a bunch of fucking <laughs> crazy bullshit going on in movies, Or, dude. like, we didn't just have a, uh, a Hitler satire. Yeah, or, no, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we can't make comedy anymore. We take a YTT yeah. Hitler satire. Fuck you. Yeah, we're like we can't do all these things. That people do these things. We can't make blazing saddles. Tarantino makes Django Unchained. Yeah, no, exactly. Like Jesus Christ, guys, stop with all the. Uh... It's, it's not that we can't. It's just you haven't figured out the best way to do it, and somebody else has. Yes, or you haven't figured out what people want from you. So that's why no one's all Snowden. That's why Savages got uh, dropped at the end of summer uh, with minimal marketing. That's why. Uh, I mean, Oliver Stone hasn't made a movie that anyone's really cared about since um, probably W. You know, Savages wasn't a bad movie. It was a fine movie. <laughs> it was fine, but uh, it also didn't get like no one really. No, no, it no. didn't get a good marketing uh-uh. push either. It got buried. No, it was a fine. Kind, it was kind, a, of, kind of a hard movie to market. It was a fine movie. I had some sexy three ways with uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and uh, what's his face from John Carter and uh, who's her lady, uh, Ryan Reynolds' lady. Mm-hmm. So um, the uh, W was his last one that got like real traction. His last one that I think people really like is Any Given Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's already 21 years ago. Yeah. I don't think it's cancel culture. I think it's uh, what have you done for me lately culture. And Oliver Stone has done nothing for no one lately. So that's why. That's what it is. All these people are like, they, they get on their uh, their soapboxes and their platforms and they use that to decry cancel culture. Meanwhile, they're they're doing it on their fucking big-ass platform that everyone's listening to. Like, yes, yes, you're right, cancel culture. <laughs> oh, yes, you're right. Yes, this is a thing. Like, God damn it. Um, speaking of, speaking of, here we go. This is a good segue. So NBC entertainment chief accused of fostering toxic workplace uh, you know I love these kind of stories, mm-hmm. especially when it's like Hollywood mm-hmm. and they're all like, "Yeah, we're so liberal, progressive," mm-hmm. and they're just as shitty as anyone. Um, this is a according to Hollywood Reporter, Sharon Osbourne said in 2012 that this guy Telegdi, he's the reality TV chief, told her to go fuck yourself when she protested um, NBC's decision to drop her son from a TV show because, like, after he died disclosed he had MS mm-hmm. and then they dropped him from a show uh, which is pretty fucked up mm-hmm. um, he openly mocked and used homophobic slurs against gay executives he made sexualized comments about talent he detailed sexual encounters in front of staff he's one of these dudes mm-hmm. oh bro I was fucking this yeah, chick last night exactly yes we know guys like uh-huh. that uh-huh. <laughs> I tried I try to distance myself and then these days it's hard in participation in a oh this is weird 
he did a prank apparently that involved a quote unattractive black actress with a photo uh, like in front of a whole bunch of people. He's just a bad, bad dude. Okay, so he's a douchebag. And it all ties into how it, it, it goes hand in hand with like that Ellen show stuff. Have you heard the rumblings about that? Yes. And how uh, the reckoning of her, the toxic workplace that she enabled, and uh, it's like a lot of racism. The guy who was the DJ on the show. Uh, he put out an Instagram post being like, I was there for like six years. I was witness to the toxic environment. Um, she was apparently rumors that she's trying to get out of her contract. She's just like, she's like, I want I'm out done. of it. Yeah, she's like, I'm done. I want <laughs> out of it all. Yep. That's, that's how you know. It was like, yeah, this is true. <laughs> she just wants to uh, leave. No. Poor lady. Oh, her, her world's coming down around. She her. was supposed to be so nice, too. She was so nice. Not no. supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never. Apparently, never. Um, in a similar way where apparently, I mean, it's, you know, grain of salt. Yeah, you know, this is what I'm reading. Apparently, for a while, when he went to New York, uh, if you're like their entertainment industry, when he show up, it was like, "Welcome to New York. Do you have a Kevin Spacey story yet?" <laughs> because if you don't, it, you he, will. You will. He's a creepy molester. Watch him. Watch out for him. Um, apparently, so that was like a big open secret in New York acting scene. Um, in L.A. It was a, a, a similar thing with uh, with Ellen, where, welcome to L.A., welcome to the entertainment industry, do you have your bad Ellen DeGeneres story? Mm. Um, this is one of those stories where I dropped from last week, and then it got an interesting update during the week. But last week, it was rumored that uh, the Mission Impossible crew for Mission Impossible 7, they were looking for a bridge to blow up. Okay. For one of their stunts. Mm-hmm. And Poland was like, hey. Hey, we got one. <laughs> we got we got a bunch of these bridges. Come on, pick one. So uh, with the idea being pretty smart on the tourist industry part where they could, and they all don't want to blow a part of a bridge, not the whole thing. They're like, okay, look, you come in. You blow up this part of the bridge that you need. Um, fix it. Put it back together. Things crumbling anyway. Fix this thing, and then we're gonna use this as a tourist opportunity from now on. Hey, come see the the site of the filming of this movie of this mm-hmm. Tom Cruise movie. Uh, so it looked like they're all gonna be on board for that. Um, but then Christopher McQuarrie put out the statement where apparently someone uh, involved in the process was securing these bridges. Like he uh, he didn't get a job or he didn't get a contract, so he was like he started harassing members of the crew, everyone online, like digital harassing online shit. And then he was like sending emails to people and trying to sabotage certain relationships. So he's like, I don't know if this bridge thing's going to happen anymore, at least with Poland, because of this one dude who's uh, being a pain in the ass because he didn't get the job that he wanted. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty fucking weird story. Yeah. Fun. But upshot. Maybe a bridge for getting blown up. They're looking to blow bridges. <laughs> for, for reals, the, too. For reals. This, is, this isn't digital bridges. Yeah, no. This is... This is <laughs> Real explosion, real bridge destruction. What the fuck? So Tom Cruise is gonna like fly a helicopter, like three sixty, uh, uh, ollie oop through it while it's exploding. Oh uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And there are gonna, there's gonna be people <laughs> shooting at it and people shooting from it. And then and he's there's gonna, gonna be giant explosions. And then he'll have to jump out of the helicopter and, and like be, Halo jump out. And of there's it. gonna be close ups <laughs> and far away shots. I mean, they're probably gonna have to blow up the bridge multiple times to get the shot right. No, no, that's not how that works. You have to blow up the bridge once and have many cameras rolling. <laughs> And then cross your fingers like we can't we can't we can't rebuild a bridge to blow it up again. Well, I mean they could. That's a tough one. That's when someone goes, we can do it in post. <laughs> like, no. no That's the one thing I didn't want. Um This is interesting. I am not a fan of the office. Plenty of people are. 
uh, it's fine. I'm not looking, you know, not judging or anything. But this is an interesting thing that Peacock is doing. NBC Universal. They got that Peacock app. Mm-hmm. One of the big things about the launch of their app is that they yanked Office from Netflix. Uh, it is currently nowhere, I think. Okay, and for it, whatever reason. For whatever reason. And it's going to be on Peacock in 2021. When it pops up on there, it will be with extended episodes. Ooh. So for sitcoms, you know, they have the tight 22 minutes because yeah. of commercials. But they often have 24 minutes, 25 minutes. Scenes get cut. I have my Seinfeld box set for every DVD. Every episode has deleted scenes. Yeah. They're just reinserting all those deleted scenes. And they're giving you now 26, 28-minute episodes. It's pretty smart, actually. I gotta kind of commend them on on finding good use for for all that material. Because oftentimes they're also like, it's good stuff. Yeah, I mean they spent the money filming it, so might as well do something with it. Yeah, exactly. They have it in storage apparently. Like it's taking up space. Now you can use it as an enticement to get more people to sign up for Mm -hmm. this app, which is free anyway. Yeah, I haven't really done any exploring on it. They're making stew from the scraps, Chris. (laughs) Yeah, baby, those are the best stews. Those are the best stews. The Scrap Stew. Scrappy Stew. Isn't that a, no, everyone's favorite cartoon character? That's Scrappy Doo, and we all collectively hate him <laughs> as do. as humanity. It's amazing how we can come together on this one thing. Hate is a better Like I said, Chris hates a better glue. It's the it's the uh, rubber cement of the soul. Mm-hmm. Hatred. Yeah, really is. It holds everything together. It, 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 we're holding it all together. Um, Shankar Van Dam has a, uh, a series. No. Excuse me. He had he had that series. Van John called Van Johnson. That okay. was that was a Netflix series um, where he was playing a stuntman or an action star, and they were shooting a scene, uh, shooting a movie in South America. It's sort of like a comedy about making of type thing. Okay. Anyway, um, but he has an action movie, action comedy coming to Netflix. Uh, it's filming in France, in French. So that's good. He will be a retired Secret Service agent who has to help his son clear his name after he is falsely accused of trafficking by the French government. Is Luc Besson involved? Um, does not say. That would be nice. <laughs> How come Luc Besson hasn't made a... He's like, I don't like Belgians. Okay, Luke. <laughs> Damn. No, he's like... I didn't know you're such a homer. No, not, at this point in time, it's like, I, I only do movies with models. That too, yeah. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> that's what he wants All right, that's Luke. what he wants alright Luke that's fine buddy um, it looks like it's called The Last Mercenary it's his first Netflix project and yeah this article keeps alluding to it being a action comedy of some sort okay, so, okay. interesting hopefully it'll be good um, but this is now an old story this one that I pulled it happened last week uh, The Rock uh, Dwayne Johnson him and his uh, mm, his yeah. investor group buying XFL I mean, it goes from one wrestling franchise to another. A lot of speculation about, is this an inside deal of Vince McMahon trying to offload this thing? He calls his friends, Dwayne Johnson, and his ex-wife, current business manager, uh, Danny Garcia is her name, okay. where um, like they were married back when he was with the company, and she managed his career back then and even helped with like storyline stuff. Okay. So she knew the McMahons. Yeah. So they're all friends, and even though they're divorced, they're still business partners and friendly with each other. So it's people speculate of all the people, of all the investors in the world. How come uh, this is the only people that you you can sell to? It's like your fucking friends and ex business associates. So there's some talk about. Well, I mean, it's there. also people who know 
quote unquote sports entertainment, and the, mm. the the XFL has never been trying to compete with the NFL. They are they're trying to be off season. Yeah, they, they actually they they are football esque. Yes, they actually agreed as a work to an agreement with the NFL. Like we'll beat your farm system exactly. You know, feel free to you know poach our talent because that'll help us get more credibility. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, they ended up buying it for fifteen million. They only grossed. 20 million in profits for the 2020 season that got cut short. They were projected at 46 million. So that's another thing. They ended up buying it for less than on the cheap. Yeah, yeah, super on the cheap. 15 million something. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe we could have. <laughs> <laughs> we talked to enough people. Maybe we could have bought the XFL. Yeah, Chris, do you know how to run a sports entertainment firm? First, <laughs> first things first. Let's get that 15 million and one dollar. <laughs> All right, outbid them, get, and then we'll worry about the running the teams. Um, it's pretty cheap, and they are pretty confident they can do the next season despite the pandemic because, specifically because um, it's such a small league at this yeah. point, only six teams, that they can easily replicate the NBA bubble scenario, which is going pretty great. Yeah, the, the NBA, unless they're hiding results, they haven't had any positive results in three or four weeks, and they're having their... Uh, their season so yeah, far. People are playing. Meanwhile, ba- baseball entire teams are getting shut down like within days of opening game mm-hmm. because of uh, COVID and stuff. So. Football, they're also trying to do non bubble. That's not gonna work. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. But I also have the same thing where it's like, um, uh, I also feel like steroids should be allowed in sports. Like if you want to hurt your body to be superhuman, by um, all means, do it for my entertainment. That's yeah. fine. I don't care. Well, I mean, so if it, you want to risk COVID in the XFL, like that should be, you know, kind of like in wrestling, the norm. They sh- it should be. Yeah. It was the norm. <laughs> Although, yeah, I mean, these guys are so big. Even, I mean, I'm on, even the picture of Danny Garcia, like uh, she has a sleeveless, uh, like power suit on and her arms, yeah. like I would not want to get punched by her. Yeah. No, I, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I want, uh, I want the XFL to look more like uh, NFL blitz the video game. You know, we're literally clotheslining people <laughs> and body slams. Like, I, 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 I want some dude, instead of getting tackled, to get fucking belly-to-back suplexed. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. That's what I want. I want that. I want lingerie football. I want all these things. I want everything except normal football. <laughs> Anything you can do to make it better. Christ almighty. Um, it would be interesting... I'm interested in seeing, since it is Dwayne Johnson and uh, Danny Garcia, she's a Spanish lady, uh, if they're going to continue the XFL policy of uh, you must stand during the national anthem. Oh, definitely not. Right? I don't I, I don't see how they could. Because that's an insane, that was an insane thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that was just Roger Goodell being rich and white and being like, we're, we're not fucking with the status quo. Vince McMahon being like, uh, he's rich and white too. We're not fucking with the status quo. Uh, we, we're we're going to cater to the real Americans. Um... Seth Rogen did an interview on um, Howard Stern where he dropped a lot of interesting nuggets and tidbits and stuff like when I mentioned earlier about why they decided to go with HBO Max. Uh, This is fascinating. He says here, some movies are like scams. It's like buying blueprints to a house. It looks nice. But when you try to actually build a house, it doesn't stand up properly. That is a thing that happens with films, and I recognize it sometimes, where I will see a movie and be like, oh, they lied. Whoever wrote and directed this movie lied. They made it seem like they were selling the studio an actual functional film, but they did not. They sold them, like, the schematics of a movie that, when built, does not hold up to stress testing. I'll only say this because it was reported, and I'm going to tread lightly. 
because I am close to many of the people involved, but I did that on the Dr. Doolittle film. He came on as a script doctor for Dr. Doolittle. Ah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense. And he saw it, he's like, oh, this thing is bad, bad. Uh, meaning that Sony knew. Yeah. Sony knew that it Someone was... Someone was like, uh, hey, I got Robert Downey Jr., we're going to do Dr. Doolittle. What's the story? I don't know. It's Robert Downey Jr. and Dr. Doolittle. Okay, we'll like the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, here's what he said about being a script doctor. It's like on the grand scale of the positions to be as a writer, it's cushy. Stakes are low for you personally. Uh, but it's also like you want to help. I like movies and I like reactors in that movies. I don't want anyone to not be happy. Universal, who made that movie, Dr. Doolittle, have been very supportive of me in my career. Made a lot of our movies. They were having problems with the movie and they were calling in people to help get to the bottom of it. So while Dr. Doolittle was being made, they're like, why, why, why can't we figure this fucking shit out? And it's because they got sold schematics yeah. to a faulty house. It's it's because you should have had this figured out before you agreed like before the movie. Before you did. <laughs> like, wait, is he, is he doing a Welsh accent? <laughs> Mr. Mr. Downey Jr., can we speak with you, please? No, I can't speak with you. Okay, I guess he's I guess he's doing a Welsh accent, yep. guys. We're stuck with the Welsh accent. Um, I gotta see this movie. Is it streaming on anything yet? I have no idea. It's cool. I'll find out. But yeah, check it out. Maybe it's on HBO Max. <laughs> I can't wait actually now, uh, because it's just so had shit and written all over from the get go. The terrible marketing. Wow, the marketing was so bad. While Drew looks that up, I'm going to move on to uh, the next Seth Rogen story here. This one is uh, pretty interesting. And it's actually a Hollywood Reporter article that I would recommend people can check out called The Mellow Moguls. Seth Rogen and his Point Grey partners dish on their expanding Hollywood empire. Um, Point Grey has been behind a lot of stuff. Obviously, you got Good Boys, Sausage Party. Uh, an American Pickle is uh, uh, Point Grey. The Boys on Amazon, that's uh, Seth Rogen produced. Preacher on AMC was his first comic book uh, show. And uh, from this article here, there's one very specific part that I thought was interesting. No look on finding. It doesn't even exist on Just Watch. Oh, I hate it when that happens. When uh, it, you try to pull it up and Just Watch is like, nah, uh, I ain't giving you no info. As if it doesn't even happen. Um, since launching in 2011 with the indie cancer comedy 50-50, that's a good one, remember that one? Uh, and finding box office success with mid-budget studio comedy is like This is the End and Neighbors, Point Grey has expanded into animation with Sausage Party and TV with Preacher. And it's not streaming anywhere. Okay, that's fine. We'll get to it eventually. This is, this is very interesting. While navigating the pandemic, again, Seth Rogen as of Point Grey, uh, Point Grey is taking a cautious approach. This is Seth Rogen. I'm waiting to see what Chris Nolan does. Yeah. That's his response. Uh-huh. Um, he says this the day, this interview was the day the tenant was delayed for the third time. Yeah. Uh, he goes on, WWCND is basically what we're saying at all times. What would Chris Nolan do? For a while, it seems like the answer was to kill his greatest fans. <laughs> but that's not the answer of today, it seems. That's good, but we have no idea. We don't want to be the first to rush into anything. So... Uh, the whole thing about uh, the American pickle here. This is uh, there's a part here where it talks about being the young guy, mm-hmm. um, because he started like he wrote Super Bad when he was 13, and he was working with Judd Apatow when he was 18, uh, on Freaks and Geeks and all that stuff. Uh, he was 24 when they sold Super Bad uh, to get made. He was already by that time a writer on Dolly G Show and uh, Undeclared, so he was already like super super busy. He goes here, when I was a writer on Undeclared, I was 18. I had very different tastes than a lot of the other writers, and I was very argumentative. 
telling them the shit they thought they liked was lame and the shit I liked was cool. And now I'm almost 40 and we need people who aren't just like, yeah, this is good. We need people who are like, no, your shit sucks. sucks. (laughs) Um, And then he goes here. Two point great projects were killed by vocal first year assistants, including a script on its way to a studio green light that prompted one to send Rogan a damning email critique. Rogan says, she just pointed out a flaw that our older, dumber brains would not have noticed. I tried to create an environment where everyone knows if there's a problem, just say it. If you weren't the people you worked for, what would you think of this material? So I feel like um, it's kind of indicative, too, of like uh, the movie itself that we saw, American Pickle, Mm -hmm. does have that sweet, sentimental part to it. Uh, It is trying to be like... The politics of it, so to speak, is nice. So his whole thing, the boop bop app, the ethical, yeah. the ethics, the ethics of a company. I feel like he kind of takes out the heart where he does want to have a sort of ethical company that that can still make raunchy R-rated comedies mm-hmm. and like produce the boys and yeah. that stuff. Sort of a, a talk to talk, walk to walk kind of thing. Yeah. It, like I'm saying, no more heroes. It's hard to have heroes. Yes. I ain't saying he's a hero. No. It's, pretty much my age he's like only a couple years older than me mm-hmm. weird to have a hero that's like the same generation as you right yeah. right, right strange right mm-hmm. uh but i'm like i res- i kind of respect what he's going what's going on over there what he's doing i dig it i feel like he's doing it the right way not too many people are doing it the right way shinkruth uh marvel restarting production on shang chi okay yep they're they've been they're shooting down in australia no. australia and new zealand doing pretty good with the virus so they are resuming productions on Shang-Chi. Also, apparently Shang-Chi considered at one point almost to make his debut way back in Marvel's The Avengers. Yeah, I mean, why not? That's the thing. He almost popped up in The Avengers. Captain Marvel was almost in Age of Ultron. Uh, it's really wild how they're like, man, where do we put these people? How do we yeah. introduce them? We're still waiting for Fantastic Four and X-Men and all that stuff. Well, we, we need a decent Fantastic Four first. They, they keep trying. <laughs> you, you know... You know Marvel's gonna. They're <laughs> gonna do it. They'll crack. It. They'll crack that nut God somehow. Damn, they'll fucking do it. It's so annoying. I hate the how predictable it is, but they'll do it. Um, speaking of Captain Marvel two, has a new director. Um, the first were directed by what's his name Ryan Fleck and some what's her name. The people who directed Half Nelson, the Ryan Gosling is mm-hmm. a crackhead teacher movie. This one they got Nia Da Costa. Who were still waiting and about to come out, Candyman. Yeah. And um, before that, Little Woods, which I think that's available for streaming out there for now. That's um, a uh, Tessa Thompson, like tight little uh, middle of the country, like shitty uh, American Dream sucks thriller type of thing. Okay. Little Woods, really, really good. Uh, she's getting Captain Marvel too. Cool. That's very exciting. That's going to be very cool. Looking forward to that. Uh, John Wick 5 confirmed by Lionsgate. In addition to the fact that it'll be filmed back-to-back with four. Okay. So now we're cranking out these John Wicks. Cool. Uh, Keanu Reeves is getting up there. He is. He's in his mid-50s now. Going to be 60 pretty soon. Can we do it for so long? Right. Uh, There's a funny uh, thing with Liam Neeson. came out where he admitted that when uh, he was making Taken... He thought that it was gonna it was gonna play in foreign cinemas. It was gonna open in France, play in some foreign cinemas, and then America was gonna go straight to video, oh. and it was gonna be laughed at. And no one was gonna like it. But uh, and, and then he created an entire action genre, a, the old man action genre. <laughs> he didn't create it; he revived it. Yeah. Uh, 
the Charlie Bronson, Dirty Harry, you mm-hmm. know, the, that was done in the seventies and eighties. But he for sure revived it, back. it, like hardcore. And um, the way he described it is that it became hit in France uh, unexpectedly, and then when it, they used that momentum to give it like a decent push in America, and he said the good marketing campaign got people to come out where it opened at number three, but then the next week it was number two, and then it was number one, went down to three, but then two, like it stuck around. Yeah. It was one of those things. Legs. Movies don't have legs anymore. Well, movies don't even come out anymore. Yeah. What movies? You know, the ones on HBO Max <laughs> <laughs> that people forget about right away. Doesn't know how many legs. They just float in the cloud. They, they're just floating. Yeah. How can you have legs if you float? Leg, uh, God damn it, makes me so mad. Back to Seth Rogen. This is all over the place here. Um, he's doing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot. Right? Yes. They're producing it. They already yeah. have the director and writers on. But as a producer, he said the one thing he's most excited to explore this time around is of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle aspects. He wants to focus on the teenage part. Okay. He wants to really uh, drive that part home. And, and uh, I'm into it. Because they really don't, like, you think about the movies, they don't act really necessarily. What's teenage no. about them? No. They're a little immature, no. but... I mean, in the in the one that I like the most, they're not even really teenage. They act they're like... De- they're definitely, like, in their mid-20s. Like, yeah. they've already been through some shit. Yeah, they're, they're like adults <laughs> in that one for sure. Yes, yeah. in the animated TMNT, yeah. 100%. So he wants to, like, let's make them actual teenagers. That could be fun. Uh, so let's see where to go with that. We got to see what they do for a while. Oh, we're doing good on time here. We got about five stories left, about 10 minutes. Here we go. Um, let's get a little bit into the movies skipping theaters. So Mulan, well, technically, Mulan isn't skipping theaters. Yes and no. Yes and no. When it comes out first weekend of September, which is supposed to be the same weekend as Tenet. Now both movies are just coming out at the same time. Uh, it'll be playing in whatever theater is possible. Mm-hmm. It will also come out on Disney+, Plus, but for th- $30. Fuck you, Nick. And then it's like, why would I want to spend $30 to see something on a service that I know for a fact anywhere from two to 18 weeks from now? I will have it available to me. Yeah, it will be there for the price I'm already paying now. Like, I mean, I can, I'll rewatch Mandalorian before. I'll rewatch Making of Mandalorian before I pay 30 bucks for Mulan. And, uh, like, I'm looking forward to Mulan. It's a wushu epic. It looks fucking yeah, pretty wild and cool. Uh, that being said, like, I don't have any love for the OG animated one. So it's not like I'm oh, looking yeah. forward to that part. I just want to see a cool kung fu movie. Uh, I want to see this movie. Not $30. I ain't going to spend $30 on top. $30? God damn, it's a lot of money. I just spent 6 bucks on a Shia LaBeouf movie. You only spent $30 on, the, on your Wushu yeah. epic? No, they're, they're doing it for, like, you know, the family of four. Yes. They're trying to milk them as hard as they can. I ain't no family of four. I mean, eat like a family of four sometimes, but I ain't no family of four. I'm a family of one. I'm an army of one. I love that Simpsons joke where he's like, how can I make a difference? I'm just... And he goes... Mm-hmm. I know what I mean. Mm-hmm. One man. Yes, <laughs> I count. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that. so But it will play in theaters. Similarly, Tenets will play in theaters. And I will watch it in theaters. Maybe we're we're going to watch it. Drew and I had the off-mic discussion. but uh, I will take the risk. We are willing to take the risk for Tenet and Dune. 
Yes. So those are the two. Those are the two movies I'm, I'm willing to die for. That we're we're ready to <laughs> we're ready to put it on the line for yourself for you guys at home but really no it's mostly it's, for me it's really for us no it's for me 100% it's for me it's, fuck these people it, it, I want to see this goddamn movie in theaters it's for, it's for my soul I need it um but and also for uh, I read an interview with the new head of it's split in a weird way is he the head of Warner he's the content head at Warner and uh, Warner Media, which is HBO Max, right? And, <clears throat> and the interview was interesting. He talked about, I didn't really notice this, how AT&T bought all these companies and merged them and came up with the idea. One guy came up with the idea to knock down all the walls. So AT&T bought HBO, they bought um, Turner, and they bought um, Warner, Warner it's, Media. Yeah, it's all just together. All smushed into one thing. Uh, they used to be completely separate entities, but now they're all being operated as one. And... Uh, Exactly, was I going with that? Let me pull my thing here again. The um, here we go. You can find it. You can do it. Come on, Chris's phone. No, I lost it. Work, Chris's phone. No, the phone's working. My brain's brain. Off. My brain's Chris's off. brain works. Work. <laughs> oh, so he's talking about how in that article he was also talking about how in Tenet the uh, there is no plan whatsoever to skip theatrical. Um, it won't just drop on VOD. That's like the one movie that they're sitting on. Yeah. And, but on the other hand, I saw someone talk about the Paramount. I guess it was a, a conference, a phone call, a presser. The head of Paramount uh, distribution right now said that they are actually actively looking to offload movies to streaming services because of the backup of films that have keep being delayed to 2021 paramount yeah. themselves like they send a well, lot of movies to 2021 I'm, to say, I'm sure they've already got a full 2021 lineup yes everyone <laughs> everyone does uh they 2021 is gonna be packed so they are now trying to mitigate losses like i don't think this movie's gonna make money anymore based no. on the the log jam so expect more movies to be announced coming out on streaming for the next uh six months or so i mean that's okay if, so. if they are of the same quality of the movies that have been hitting streaming i'm glad they're going to streaming yes exactly yeah these are movies that's what i've been saying <laughs> <laughs> right that's what i've been saying uh that's why i feel like mulan's getting that 30 dollar price point because mulan feels like something that is worth seeing in a theater uh so it does get that premium extra chunk of change there um and I would like to see that theater, but we, we already said it. the two movies that we want to see. Yeah. Sorry, we, they're out there. Uh, those are the only two movies I'm willing to die for. So I've been convinced that this movie, particularly <clears throat> that I'm about to talk about here, is bad because we've been seeing marketing for it for, I want to say, two years now. New Mutants? Well, no, that's another one, too. Yeah, that's the one. What the fuck, guys? Just, just drop it. Just <laughs> tell me to watch it. End I'll, it. Whatever. I'll, you know what? I'll give you the six bucks. Yeah, Let's just please. do it. I'll give you the six. <laughs> I will give you the six Let's bucks. just do it. Let's get it over with. Um, the uh, horror film Antebellum. Oh, Janelle okay. Monae is the lead. Yeah. She, the, the trailers looked pretty fun. I thought the trailer looked fine, but I will say I remember, and this is how long they've been marking this. I think it was for us to play the trailer for that. Pack Theater, where some trailers were playing, and people were like, oh, shit, like, like being really into it. And then that trailer plays, and they're like, silence. Like, no one knows how to react to it. I feel like, ooh, that, this room feels like bad reaction to that. Um, and then it keeps getting delayed, delayed, mm. delayed. It kept getting delayed. Then they were finally announced uh, it was going to come out August 21st. Um, that was like a recent announcement. Like, all right, we're going to be part of this August push to open theaters. That's been all put on hold anyway. So now they went ahead and announced uh, 
the premium VOD, which is like when, um, what is it like Bloodsport? I think when that one Bloodsport, Blood uh, Shot, Bloodshot, yeah. Uh, Onward went straight to Disney Plus. Trolls, I think Trolls was twenty dollars. <clears throat> so that's like the premium VOD price. I'm not paying that. I am, I am definitely not paying that for this movie, which I suspect is it's not bad. good. Yeah. yeah, which is a bummer because I want it to be good. It looks like it looks like fun. I love Janelle Monae. That's a fun idea. It's a girl. She gets kidnapped. Uh, they're, they're probably doing like hallucinatory drugs or oh, something yeah, to make her think it's like old timey days. Or maybe it's uh, you know the village type shit where maybe it is old, maybe in that. Fucking five square miles. It is old timey times, there Chris. There you go. Yeah, and you can't, and you, and you can't get out because they'll kill you before you get to the highway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Um, a League of Their Own is getting their own series on Amazon. Okay. Uh, it's being co-produced and developed by Abby Jacobson. She's uh, the one half of the Broad City Chicks. Okay. Yeah, and she'll be in the the role that essentially the Gina Davis role. I love I love the movie. It could be fun. It's a great movie. It's a sports movie. I, I, sports I, show. I hope they get Colin Hanks to play the Tom oh, Hanks come role. Come on, guys. It's right there for you. <laughs> it's right there for you. Um, Darren Aronofsky is developing a show. <laughs> this does, one. Does it have to do with nature? He's been posting a lot of... It, it's the nature stuff. Bug, Lots of bugs <laughs> and rocks, but like definitely like... The cameras are on wires, so there's money involved. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's part of his, uh, what is it, the, uh, what's that show we did with Will Smith? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, the, uh, that one they, they did with, uh, god damn, I can't think of the name of it. It's like the force or the, the lungs of the earth. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great One strange rock, one strange yeah, rock. Maybe it's, maybe it's, 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 it's a really good nature documentary maybe, series. Maybe it's doing season two. Hopefully. Um, no, this is something different. Nature, Maybe. How about the beach? Okay. It's uh, called, it's actually based on a New York magazine article, Boss of the Beach. And it's about this guy. Uh, what's his name? His name is like, uh, like Giuseppe Italiano or something like that. Wow, that's really racist. Dude, <laughs> I'm, tell- I'm telling you. Um, I know these guys. <laughs> I grew up around these fucking Ginzos. <laughs> They're... Like, hey, this guy over here, motherfucker, with the, the gravy, store the gravy. Um, the, the guy who wrote the article, David Galvey Herbert, Herbert, it's about um, this dude who, it's like a true crime article, mm-hmm. and it's the 40-year reign of the boss of the New York Lifeguard Corps. <laughs> right? Okay. Yes, yeah. Fucking corruption to hell. Yes, yes, right? <laughs> okay. Um, all right, the guy's name is Peter Stein. It wasn't as Italian as I thought it was. Um he was the chief of the NYC Lifeguard Corps, the largest in the U.S. For four decades, he ran it, and they were mired in controversy. Article details uh, many things. One public advocate called him the J. Edgar Hoover of lifeguards. He falsified drowning reports. There was corruption and favoritism. So he ran it like his own... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, like, like he was a mob boss. Yeah, like he was a mob boss, like union mob boss type guy. Yeah. And uh, Aronofsky's turned into a series. Cool. And I'm into it. I'm totally into it. It sounds like a lot of fun. And I actually earmarked the article itself. I mean, I was meaning to read it. Didn't have time. It's fine. We, we, I mean, I have time, just not now. The uh, Speaking of series being developed, James Wan actually is taking a series turn into a movie. He's making a Knight Rider movie. Okay. A James Wan Knight Rider movie? I'm down. I'm in. You know he's, he's going to get like $150 million for it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be uh, ridiculous looking. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. Hopefully the Hoff will make a 
When was the last time you've actually seen? Yeah, that would be awesome. When was the last time you've seen <laughs> the Knight Rider? The show. A long time. I'm pretty sure it's a thing. Like a lot of 80s shows were. It's probably not that good. No. The opening credits and the theme song. The best part. Yes. No. Quantum Leap. This show. Well, that and, I mean, Mr. Feeney was the voice. So. Yes. For me, it's weird. Like I watched. Oh, Michael. <laughs> no, exactly. And then I'm like, but you were. What? But. What? You can be a principal and the voice of a car. Um, Ben Affleck has a new project lined up. His next directorial film. Uh, He's adapting a book. A book that just came out this year. Getting rave reviews. I'm looking forward to it coming out on paperback so I can read it. Because I'm a... a, Oh, my God. That's right. Hit hit that pop screen. Sorry about that. I'm a paperback kind of guy. It's a book called The Big Goodbye. And it's about the making of Chinatown, but it's also about like Hollywood at the time. It covers a lot of the people. Yeah. Uh, it, it's by the time I read this book, I would have already have I read Easy Riders, Raging Bulls, and Nexus uh, Down and Dirty Pictures. I'm enjoying these books about the history of Hollywood. Yes, the spe- specifically the 70s, late 60s, going to the 70s into the early 80s. But the 70s is the wildest time, um, and this will cover that time period. So Ben Affleck will have a a movie based on it and we'll see we'll see who plays who and what but the the ink is barely drying that deal it's happening he's making a making of Chinatown movie cool Hollywood loves movies about the making of movies yeah they well because it's very masturbatory yes writers love movies about writers Barton Fink is my favorite Coen Brothers movie <laughs> <laughs> We're very pretentious. We're all we are. Love the smell of your own farts, Chris. Reliably pretentious. No, I don't actually. I haven't been smelling good. <laughs> I think I gotta go to the doctor. You probably should. Sure. Yeah, it's bad. Things have been bad. Um, this is a deadline article. We're starting to wrap things up. Emma Watts. She is the new head of uh, films. So she's a new film chief at Paramount. Okay. She is a person who she was at Fox for a long time. Uh, doing really good work over at Fox, but then Disney bought the company mm-hmm. and her job became redundant. Yes. So uh, she got hired over at Paramount and she has made it, she's revealed that her uh, number one number one goal right now as film chief at Paramount is to get Star Trek up and running um, because it's been stalled out for a while. Uh, there was that we had Star Trek Beyond was already six years ago, seven yeah, years sure. ago, right? Yeah. Uh, so they were trying to make another movie with that cast where they were bringing back, you may remember this, they were bringing back um, Hemsworth yeah. as the uh, James. As the, as the dad. As the dad. James yeah. is the young one, whatever the dad's name is. They were going to do like a time travel yeah. thing with him, right? Um, and then because all of a sudden he was Chris Hemsworth, he yes. wasn't just who is this tall, beautiful Australian <laughs> yeah. man? Yeah, like that guy's. Oh no, he, who's this? Oh guy? no, he's Thor. By no. the way, he's Thor. It's so funny how they, <laughs> they got him right before Thor. It's yeah. so funny. Um, but that sort of that's that's fallen through partially because of negotiations, I think, with con- uh, money, with actors' oh, sure. money, but also because I think a lot of people are hesitant to want to come back because it was after Anton Yelkin died. I was about to say at this point in time, yeah, there's no, yeah, they they don't want to recast Scotty, so they're going what right into that Scotty's dead between no, movies or something. No, fuck all that, reboot the whole goddamn thing. So that's that's more obvious now. Uh, this dude who, the guy who wrote The Revenant, Mark L. Smith, he's the one who wrote the uh, screenplay. That was essentially the one that, um, I guess he did it with Tarantino, but Quentin Tarantino, you know, was like in talks to direct something mm-hmm. to work with them. Tarantino not directing that movie, for sure. That's He's moved on. 
But that script is still in development. So he may get his Star Trek movie made. And then also, speaking of Fargo earlier, Noah Hawley also did uh, Legion, Mm -hmm. right? Um, He's in talks to be able to reboot the franchise under his guidance. Noah Hawley's Star Trek? Yes. I will watch the fuck out of that. That'd be pretty interesting. (laughs) That'd be good stuff. That would be bunk. I mean, man. So they're, they, I mean, they got several irons and several fires, and uh, that that one that the uh, the one that Tarantino was supposedly working on, that is a weird one that takes place mostly on Earth in the '30s in like a gangster setting, uh, and they sort of imagine it as like a uh, like a Logan type of uh, more serious spinoff type thing because mm-hmm. they only take only uses a handful of the characters doesn't use the whole crew yeah. it's, it's like James Spock and like uh, one other guy like Bones mm-hmm. and that's it so uh, um, I personally not the biggest Trek fan anyway no but a Noah Hawley one gets me interested oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean you say Noah Hawley's doing pretty much anything I'll, be, I'll give it a shot yeah although I still gotta see that Lucy in the Sky which is his first I know and apparently not yeah I know it's not right. no but I still wanna see it yeah um. Okay. Final couple stories here, real quick. Jonas Quaron, son of Alfonso, he got a little bit of a bump mm-hmm. by from co-writing Gravity with his dad. He also had that little short film that was sort of worked as like a, a side quote mm-hmm. uh, to the movie. He has a film lined up at Netflix that he's going to direct, and it's a Chupacabra movie. Ooh! But it's sort of remember Earth to Echo. <laughs> Yes. Where they find a little alien thing. They, or it's also maybe sort of like um, Super 8. Mm-hmm. So he finds a Chupacabra, but he's trying to like get it to safety or something. So it, it almost feels like an 80s Amblin type thing. Okay. Yeah, but set in Mexico no. with the Chupacabra. Uh, but Goddamn yeah. goat sucker. Goddamn Chupa. This goat. Cabra to suck. Chupacabra. I'm pretty sure it's the opposite, but okay. Ben Wheatley. <laughs> ben Wheatley. What was Ben Wheatley's last one? High Rise, I think. I think so. Right? Either, High Rise and Free Fire are his last two. I can't recall the order. High Rise definitely out. came after Free Fire. Right? We saw that at a film yeah. festival. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Florida Film Festival. Um, his next movie is a Netflix movie. Okay. And speaking of Netflix, the running theme here. Um, and it is an adaptation of the novel Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca was already made into a movie in 1940 by Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, okay. When it won uh, Best Picture the following year okay. at the Oscars. So now Ben Wheatley is giving his version of it. Okay. I'm sure he will pull from the original source material and from the Hitchcock movie. So He'll find a way to, to smash the two together. Uh, the leads will be Lily James. Uh, what was the last thing she was in? Yesterday, I think. She's... Uh, did you see yesterday? Have you ever seen that one yet? No. Uh, I've seen parts of it. I saw parts of it on a cruise ship. It looked fine. The uh, If you look her up, you recognize her. An Army Hammer. Good old Army Hammer will be the leads. Uh, oh, yeah, her. Yeah, exactly. Her. Um, Lawrence Olivier played the, the lead in Hitchcock's version. Joan Fontaine. The wife. Comes out October 21st. There we go. So we got a new Ben Wheatley. We got a Ben Wheatley. We got a Charlie Kaufman. Both coming out on Netflix this year. They signed deals with Quaron. Uh, exciting, exciting stuff. And that's it. Well, they they signed 
a deal with a Quaron, not Alfonso Quaron. Hey, you know what? <laughs> we'll take what we can get these days. We'll take Jonas. We got Jonas prices. We don't got Alfonso prices. We got Jonas prices. Um. All right, there we go. That's the glue that keeps it together. That's the hate. Hatred. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the hate. We appreciate you guys. Uh, tune in this week. Uh, rate us reviews. If you're still listening at this point, why? And also, rate us reviews on iTunes or AKA Apple Podcasts like we haven't done it yet. Teresa Cogburn, thank you, sir. Christmas, you're welcome. Uh, listeners, you are welcome. Remember, hashtag Black Lives Matter. Arrest the cops that uh, killed Breonna Taylor. That, that's, I mean, that's, that, I'm that's not never, sure that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. It's fucked up. But you know what should happen? Kill your masters. Eat the rich. Take care. Bye-bye. A PFT Media Production.